This is the Kona Edge, the home of Ironman triathletes who dream of qualifying for the World Championships on the Big Island. You're listening to the Kona Edge. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Brad Brown, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited to be able to welcome our next guest onto the podcast. I love one thing I love about doing this is I get to chat to so many different types of people from all around the world and uh, and just share their stories and I think uh, today's guest story is pretty special. She's been around the sport for a while. Uh, she took a long gap uh, between her first uh, couple of Kona appearances and uh, has come back into the sport and is doing phenomenally phenomenally well. She is uh, a former age group world champion so she knows what it takes to win on the Big Island. She's been there nine times. We chat about that uh, on today's episode as well and it's a great pleasure to welcome uh, all the way from Rhode Island in the United States, uh, Elizabeth Kenyon. And we'll get to that interview in just a moment, but I need to ask you a, a huge favor if I can. One of the things that really helps us grow these podcasts is uh, reviews and ratings in iTunes. I don't know how it works. I'm not that clever, uh, but I do know that they move the needle. So the more reviews and the more ratings we get, the better it is. And uh, it, it just builds our popularity within iTunes. And uh, the more we get, the more iTunes put our podcast in front of triathletes just like you around the world. So if you haven't yet, if you've got some value out of this podcast, if you enjoy listening to it, please just take two minutes of your time. That's all it literally takes is uh, two minutes and leave us a review and a rating. And uh, yeah, I would appreciate that uh, massively. It's almost like uh, my virtual tip jar. So uh, this is something I do. It takes quite a bit of work. If you get value out of it, I'd appreciate you doing that. So uh, thank you very much in advance. Let's get straight in today's, uh, into today's episode. And it's a great pleasure to welcome uh, Elizabeth Kenyon onto the Kona Edge. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Elizabeth, that's not an American accent, I hear. you originally from Norway, but you've spent a lot of time in the States. Uh, and it's, it's quite weird because the last few weeks here on the Cone Edge, we've been chatting to a lot of Scandinavians. Uh, uh-huh. the, the sport there is growing pretty quickly, but it's, I mean, triathlon's massive in the United States, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. But certainly uh, Norway is up and coming. Olympics, we had one. So we're, we're getting there. Yeah, without a doubt. Elizabeth, you, funnily enough, I was reading up about you before we chatted, and and, and you, you got into this, what I don't want to say late, but you, you've got a brother and sister who are pretty competitive, and, and you weren't too interested in the sport. And t- tell me how it started that you got into triathlon. Uh, yeah, I, it's true. My, my siblings were very talented athletes, and uh, I was not. You know, I was uh, the studious once. I had very good grades in school, but um, I wasn't really um, interested in competing or not very good actually just swam in high school never won anything so when I was done with my master's degree at the University of Miami um, I we actually entered a sprint triathlon that was happening um, around the corner from where we lived and I somehow managed to win my age group that day and um, that just sort of fueled the fire. I wanted to, you know, do more. And I started training more specifically for it and got a, a better bike and so on. So that's just sort of how it started. There were so many, you know, local sprint triathlons in Miami at that period of time. Um, so, yeah, that's how I launched myself into it. I'm not going to give you age away, but you've been, you've been in the sport for, for a while now. You, you've been around it for a long time. 
Yeah, I am 51, or am I 52? I don't know, but I am, I'm around there. I have stopped counting. <laughs> and so, yeah, I've been in the sport for then 25 years, and uh, with some breaks mm. to, you know, for my career and to have children and so on. So, yeah, 25 years. I wanted to ask you about the break because I, I know you did take a break and, and it wasn't that you weren't racing. I mean, you had been to Kona and then you took a break and, and had kids. It's yep. difficult as a, as a mum to, to, to race at, at this sort of level and, and have a career, like you say. To keep those balls in there is pretty tough. What, what's the secret to it? Well, you know, I, I you can't. You cannot do it all. So uh, something's got to give at some point or another, depending on... Um, where you are, but for my, in my case, I did Hawaii in 1996, and and then I took basically 11 years before I came back to the uh, Ironman. So for me, I had to take a pretty long break in order to sort of keep the balance. Um, and then when things stabilized, I was able to sort of do it, you know, do it all if you if you wish. Um, well, what happened to me is I actually found a coach that allowed me to train a little bit less with a little bit more of a return. So, um, yeah. Let's talk about that break and coming back because that's one thing I think a lot of people, it's difficult. It's, it's almost because mentally you know what it takes and you, you almost think you're better than what you are. But after a long break like that, you still need to put in the work and it's almost like starting over. Um, yeah, it is. Um, but if you keep active, um, generally speaking, if you keep strong, um, it's really not that bad because it's not like you sat on the couch or, or you were inactive. I was very, very active. You know, I would run a whole lot with a double, you know, baby stroller and, and, and do, you know, go to the gym and, and, uh, and, and so on. And, um, so it, it really isn't so bad if you just keep generally, you keep moving uh, during your break. And, and running with a stroller makes you pretty strong. I've, I've done a few, few miles with, with one. <laughs> yes, it makes you very strong. I mean, you're, you're hauling hundreds of pounds, really, including the heavy stroller. So, yeah. Um. <laughs> Racing without it's quite nice after you've done some training with it. Yeah, I used to go in and do for some 5Ks with a double stroller. So it, it's very good uh, good practice. <laughs> Lisbeth, talk to me about the, the decision to go long. I mean, you, your first introduction to the sport was a sprint, and you, you obviously fell in love with it. But what, what goes into to making the decision to go on and do a, a full-distance Ironman? Yeah, so for me, I did the sprints in the Olympics, and then in um, I went to nationals in Chicago in 19... 19- 95 and sort of by mistake i qualified for um for kona but i didn't quite know what it was i didn't take the spot because i didn't know much about it and so then i looked into it and then i said okay i'm going to qualify in 96 and which i did and this was back in the day where you qualified at the olympic distance so i went to memphis in may qualified for the 96 race and and I realized when I started training more distance that I felt that I was better at it because it allowed me, I'm not very quick, and it allowed me to slow down a little bit. And I realized that, you know, I'm pretty good at just going, going, going. And so I, I suspected that I would be better at it, and, and I was. Um, of course, that particular race, I knew nothing 
Uh, my bike was too big and, and nutrition, hydration, I had no idea what I was doing. So I actually ended up with hyponatremia. I basically, they, they caught me at the finish and carried me out. Um, so in that regard, I, I, um, I learned a lot. And I, I said to myself, I, one day I'm going to come back to this and, and learn how to do it. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, 1996, and I realized, okay, I'm, uh, that is when I took pretty much a big, big break, but I knew that I, at some point in my life, I was going to come back and maybe make it right. Mm. Yes, that's interesting, because obviously things have changed a lot in the sport since then, and, and to qualify for the Big Island now, it's very seldom that you get someone who qualifies that hasn't raced a full distance. I mean, every now and again, you, you hear of someone who's picked up a spot at a 70.3 and, and goes on and, and does their first race in Kona, but going into it like that, not having that experience, do you think it's better today the way it is that, that people have more experience going onto the Big Island than perhaps you did first time out? No question about it. No question. Um, absolutely. I do. I, I think it's for the better now. It's gotten tougher as well, hasn't it? Uh, I mean, the sport has grown a lot. Uh, it's it's become worldwide. Uh, it's it's a worldwide phenomenon now. And and the age groups, you'd think as you would get older, the age groups would get less competitive, but that's not the case. It's not the case um, because, I mean, we have a long history now of 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 people so you you know it's so difficult i mean the the level right now is just uh and it's great and what what's happening in my you know as i grow we're getting people from other sports Mm. uh professional people from other sports coming into our sport and you know it's it's good for the sport and i love it because you get to actually as an amateur you get to compete with people who have been in several Olympics in different sports that are coming in. So it's, it's, uh, it's quite good, actually. Elizabeth, how many of these things do you think you've, you've got in you? Obviously, longevity in the sport is a, is, is a thing that gets spoken about lots. We've, we've chatted about burnouts uh, quite a bit over the last few weeks here on the podcast. And, and staying competitive in the sport over a long period of time is tough. It does take its toll. How, I mean, how, how competitive do you think you still can be in, in the sport? Are you going to be around for as long as you can? Uh, yeah. You know, so my ultimate goal, um, my ultimate, ultimate goal is to do Kona when I am 70. Just do it, com- you know. So I, you know, my goal has all the time been to be in it for the long term. So you just, and I see some of these new people, they have a, a bucket list um, they want to do an Ironman once and it's on their bucket list and they come in and they train for 10 months and they train so much and it's impacting their, their lives. And uh, it, it's quite sad, actually. It's very common. So um, I, I actually think the best thing you could do is to get yourself a coach that knows about this when you are new so that you, it doesn't impact you so much. So, and a coach actually allows you to train a little, you spend a little less time training while getting more return for that training. So, uh, and for me, you know, I, I did get a coach eight years ago and that made a big difference because, you know, it's easy to train a little bit too hard all the time. Um, and so that's where the burnout comes. Um, yeah. And, and it's especially so if you're competitive in this, this A-type personality, you almost need someone not to keep you in check, but to, to, to oversee what you're doing and, and make sure, like you say, not to, not to overtrain and, and overrace. 
Yeah, and not only that, I mean, you, you know, if your coach, for example, my coach is a movement expert, which is really kind of been a lucky thing for me um, as I have sort of grown older with this. Um, so what I do, actually, I spend three months, right, you know, after the season is done, I spend three months only focusing on movement and balance and strength. And I think that's actually been what's allowed me to um, be as durable as I have been. You know, I haven't ever really been injured. And um, and so, yeah, I, I think that it's very important, more and more important to really spend some time making sure you actually move well mm. and you do you know you you do these things correctly and you are super strong i'm not talking going to the gym strong i'm talking you know these super slow body weight you know movement um exercises that lets you then sort of absorb the hard sport specific work that you do yeah I want to talk a little bit more about that, but I'll do that in a moment. Talk to me about the decision to get a coach because you had been in the sport for a while before you, you got one. What, what brought that on? Why, why did you decide to go the coach route? Well, I realized that um, this particular uh, coach, Coach Al, he, he just knew more than I did. <laughs> and so, you know, that was his job, his expertise. And, um, and, I, and I was a pretty strong biker. So at first I didn't actually trust him with all of the aspects of my training. So I said, okay, you do the run and the swim and I'll just do my own bike because that's my strength. Um, just naturally, that was just my strength. I just, you, you know, I, I biked everywhere, um, not competitively, but I just biked a whole lot growing up. Um, and so that just didn't work out because I would go kill myself in these bike workouts. And, you know, I used to, you know, bike with the, the bike racers and, and show up to their criterion practices. And I, I shelled myself. In the meantime, he tried to do my specific run workouts and, you know, I used to fail them because I just wasn't rested enough. So he basically fired me as an athlete saying, if I can't do all of it, then I can't coach you. Cause so <laughs> that's when I said, all right, I'm, I'm going to trust you. And I just let him do all of it. And eight years later, you know, it's a, it's a, it's still a very good relationship. Trust is a big thing with a coach, isn't it? Uh, I mean, you you talk about selling out and, and only half selling out, but uh, don't waste your money. That would be my advice. If you're not going to sell out totally to a coach, don't don't do it at all. You have to trust the coach, and I see that all the time because uh, I'm running this indoor. Uh, Compu trainer center, and I see these athletes coming in, and they're absolutely ignoring what the coach told them to do. They're coming in there and they're cranking their power up, and they're destroying their next day workout that the coach has in store for them. So it's so common. It's such a, uh, I mean, that's such a good point as well because you can you can absolutely smash yourself in a training session, and it's not that training session where you're gonna where you, where the damage has been done. It's uh, it's the one or two afterwards where you can't train optimally yeah. so it's so important that you you do do that as as you been in the sport for a while and as you you're getting older uh, year after year do you change your approach year after year i mean what what have you changed over the years to to now oh yeah definitely uh so more and more important i mean you when you're 20 30s even you know half of your first 40s you can really wing it. You could, you know, you have a lot of big, big margin of error. 
you can go out there and, and just wing it really. Um, and I realized probably in my latter 40s, that was just definitely not the case anymore. Um, so that strength, that sort of balance and, you know, um, movement stuff just becomes super important. You have to go and, and take care of that fundamental stuff. Um, so I think that's really, really important. And also, I, I just can't, I, I need more rest between hard sessions. So recovery is just essential much more now than before. What's the biggest life lesson that Ironman's taught you? Um, biggest life lesson? I think not taking yourself so seriously because you spend a lot of time. Um, and also, I mean, it's a pretty selfish sport. So because it's all about you and, um, and so just sort of not take yourself so seriously. Once your training session is over and what have you, um, yeah, that's a difficult question actually. Mm. <laughs> um, gosh. And just sort of enjoy and celebrate that you can do it at all. I think is probably what I'm going to say about that. Um, and so people come into it super, super nervous, just super nervous. And it's, all about this self thing. It's so much about yourself that if you go outside of yourself and look down on yourself, you realize that you're so lucky to be so healthy, to be allowed to be there. And that sort of takes that edge off that nervousness. You know, it's really not about yourself so much that, um, you know, I think that's, uh, that's what I'm going to say about that. As far as achievements, you, you've been able to achieve a lot in the sports uh, over your, your career. What are, you, what are you most proud of? Um, I am probably most proud of just being um, maybe a role model to my kids um, and be, sort of being able to incorporate this stuff while doing all the other things and, you know, not being so stringent, so strict about, I mean, if you have to miss out or change your week around because other things are more important, um, then you do that and it, it still works out. Um, so just showing them that consistency, um, sort of a, along the journey is probably the most important thing. Have they made any noises that they possibly want to go on and, and do some of, of these races as, as time goes on? Uh, yeah, my, my uh, oldest kid, who's now a freshman in college, actually did a sprint triathlon when he was 11. He did a sprint, like an adult sprint triathlon, um, where we you know, swam behind him and made sure he was safe. But he's, uh, but not my other two kids. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it'll come. I always joke. I grew up in a in a household. My dad was a was an ultra marathoner, and oh. I, I I I was I was never going to do it. And uh, lo and behold, uh, my brother and I are both now 
we've both done Ironman. We've we both run ultra marathons. So uh, yeah, I, I think you are cursing your children if you uh, if yeah. you do the sport at some stage in their life. They're going to come back and say, "Why did you start doing it?" They they will come around. I'm sure of that. Uh, yeah, it's 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 quite interesting the way. But we've got my dad back. I have to tell you, uh, he was doing ultra marathons and he came to watch my brother and I do a couple of Ironmans. And then at 67, he decided he was going to do his first one. So, uh, <laughs> which yeah, payback time for 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 my dad if I have to have to be honest Let's be, what's what's left for you to achieve in the sport what do you still want to I mean what's on that that goal list of yours yeah so I think you know I actually tried to quit this Ironman business because it, you know it is a long you know and lonely training um, a lot of time so I you know after I won my 2013 race and of course you auto qualify when you're amateur so I didn't have to go qualify but I said to myself I'm going to, I'm going to quit now. It's enough. How many Ironmans can I possibly do? So um, I didn't come back and do Kona in 2014. And I thought, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that, but I missed it so much, (laughs) you know, watching that 2014, I wish myself there. So then I did 2015, I did 2016. (laughs) I said, all right, so that's nine Konas. Might as well do 10. So I'm going to do 2017. Um, so that's 10. So hopefully I can, I can quit for a while after that, but you know, I just love that race so much. And, and I think that my ultimate goal, of course, what's left, I want to be, you know, my goal is to be healthy enough, to be strong enough to do it as a 70 year old. So if I take another 11 year break, you know, so be it, but 70 years, that's my, that's my thing. I think that's fantastic. And what, what makes that race so special? I mean, you, you've been there many times and it's, I've heard that it gets better and better. The more you go, it's just, it's a mystical place. And, and I know you love it. Otherwise you wouldn't keep going back year after year. What is it that makes it so unbelievable? I think it's just because it's so hard. I mean, it's, it's just no, I mean, I've done Norseman, and that was super hard. But Kona is just hard in a different way because you have these elements that you're never, you're never going to know. You never know what it's going to do to you. All that heat, all that wind, it just does something to you. And it's just such a feat to be able to just finish this particular one because it's, it's a stuff that I don't even like. I don't like the heat in that way. I, um, and so it's just the, the feeling, you know, the feeling you have afterwards. It's what you're going after. Um, and just for me, it's evolved into this intimidating thing um, to basically a celebration of, of, you know, you get older, you get wiser. It's, it's uh, really a celebration of your health. As far as the, the things, the, the perfect race on, on, on the Big Island, uh, I mean, having, having raced there now nine times, is there such a thing as, as the perfect race in, in Kona? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I felt that I had one of those perfect races in Kona. Um, and it, yeah, it just sort of all sort of comes together. You're, you're healthy, your training is going well, you're tapering well. You know, of course, I love to taper. I love the taper period. <laughs> not, not a lot of people do, but I love it. I was built to um, taper, Elizabeth. Huh? I was built to taper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just sit back and you have all this time in your hand and you you feel the form coming to you. There's nothing better. Um, and so all of these things can just line up um, and even just do it all right. And then you execute, you know, if you just go, go out a little slower than what your mind is telling you, 
you can actually have a perfect race also if you don't get yourself in trouble nutritionally. So I, I had one of those races. It was 2010. I remember it well. Um, and I, I felt that I could, I could break 10 hours this day. And, and I ended up 10.01.30. And I looked at my Garmin after the race. And I had sat at the Portageon at the Energy Lab for 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so how many yeah. how many times have you played that moment over your head uh in your head over over your career since then it must be a few i know i just you know should have would have but <laughs> you know i don't think i could have done anything better that day so it's you know it's there but you know i think that i actually still hold that was that course record was 45 to 49 and that's still a course record for that age group. So, you know, I can't complain, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Elizabeth, as far as choosing races, how do you go about choosing the races that work for you to, to qualify? Obviously, Kona is what it is, but uh, you get to race around around the country. What, what, what do you look for? What suits you? <clears throat> Something hilly because um, of my bike. And my run isn't that great, so it, it needs to be a flat run with a hilly bike. That's my perfect race. Um, but I mean, so, so I've been lucky enough to sort of auto qualify a lot of times. And when I auto qualify, I don't go and do another Ironman. I just, um, sorry about the dog. I, um, I just, um, do quicker stuff to, and, and that's a benefit actually not having to do two in one year. Um, I think on the years, that I do only one, I have a better Kona. Yeah. Elizabeth, the, the auto qualifying is an interesting one because, I mean, you mentioned recovery, and, and as you get older, that recovery becomes more and more important. So uh, yeah. I, I find it interesting that, that some athletes like racing three, four full distance a year, but, but you don't. You, you find it better if you, if you don't. Yeah, much better. Um, I, can, I can get into some sprints, some Olympic distances, some halves, um, not too many, but... I can do some road races. So I find that I do better in an Ironman if I haven't trained and built for an Ironman already that year. Mm. Definitely. Talk to me about your 2017 schedule. What's uh, what's on the cards for you in, in, in this season? You know what? <laughs> I don't even know yet. I know <laughs> that I'm doing a little... <laughs> it's terrible. I know I'm doing Kona. That's uh, what I know. And I would love to do Chattanooga, which is the half iron worlds which is in tennessee i would love to do it so i'm trying to figure out where i can go and qualify but it's difficult for me because i have a kid in college now and i have um one child who is graduating from high school there's so many dates that's not going to work out so i i'm not quite sure what's what's going to happen but all i know is i'm going to kona so well, I'll put the challenge out there. The the 70.3 Worlds in 2018 are in Port Elizabeth, where our full distance is held here in South Africa, and that will be a great trip Ooh. as well. So, uh, Ooh, That would be great. There we go. Put it put it on your list, Lisbeth. Put it on your list. Yes. South Africa, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's been amazing chatting a little bit about your story. I look forward to getting you on to talk about uh, the individual disciplines, but we'll save that for another time. Lisbeth Kenyon, thank you for your time on The Kona Edge today. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for the Kona Edge.